This is Mythic Deviant with C. Gabriel. Hi. This week we're on the trickster as hero. The trickster, again, is an archetype that operates obliquely to create unexpected meaning and accomplish unexpected tasks. And sometimes that is great for us. The first story is a Native American story. As such, it is told in many ways and in many groups, and each reflects the heritage of that group. This is an amalgamation of the story and, as far as I know, is not considered sacred by any group, though I could be wrong here. Please let's not pretend that we know other people's spirituality. It understandably offends. This is the story of Raven and the Sun. Raven is a trickster character in many tribes, particularly those in the Pacific Northwest, where we've got lots of ravens, and they are, in fact, tricky. Once upon a time, there was a shaman who was profoundly frustrated with humanity, so he took the sun and he hid it. Maybe he wanted to teach us a lesson. Maybe he wanted to teach us to appreciate it. Maybe he wanted to inspire us to discover electricity and invent the light bulb. We do not really know his motives. In any event, many animals, potentially including human, tried to get it back but couldn't find it. Raven, a snow-white bird, decided that this was the job for her. She flew to the shaman's house and watched for a day or two. She noticed that his daughter had tea every night before bed, so she shapeshifted into a pine needle and crept into the young woman's tea. This miraculously impregnated the daughter, because we have to keep things clean, who gave birth to a bouncing baby bird, um, a bouncing baby boy. It was Raven herself, hidden in the body of the infant. The family loved and cared for the baby, who eventually became a young boy. That's how it happens. One day, the boy went to his grandfather, the shaman, and he looked up with big eyes, and he asked his grandpa where the sun was. And, of course, the shaman showed his beloved grandson where he hid it. The next day, the boy was gone. Raven had been concerned that the light might draw attention, so she had grabbed a reed and hid the sun inside it. Then she flew like the wind, on the wind. It was quite a long way. Eventually, the reed began to smoke, and Raven flew even faster. She flew faster and faster, and when she was almost there, the sun burnt through the reed. It fell out and dropped onto the ground, sending sparks into the sky that became the moon and the stars. Raven, always quick, dove down and grabbed the sun in her beak for the rest of the journey, but she paid. The fire scorched her. She spent many days and nights attending to her wounds, but in time she healed, though she remained black as ever. Our next story, which we're going directly into, you may have noticed, is from the Bible. It's Esau and Jacob. Isaac and Rebekah were thrilled to have a baby on the way, and they were even more thrilled when their baby lump began to move violently, indicating that they had not just one, but two infants wrestling inside Rebekah's womb. Esau was born several minutes before Jacob, who came out hanging onto his heel. As they grew, each of the parents came to favor one of the boys. Isaac liked Esau because he appreciated a fine and meaty meal. Rebecca preferred Jacob because he was vegan and fun. One day, Esau was out doing what Esau did best, hunting. When he stumbled home at the end of the day, starving and exhausted, he was genuinely afraid that he would not make it, that he would die on the way. He fell into Jacob's camp where his brother was making lentil stew, a nice vegan dish. Please, Esau said, I need food, I need water. Only if you give me your birthright, his trickster of a brother replied. 
I presume that Esau did not take this well, as that would be appropriate. But in any regard, he said, whatever, I'll die if I don't. And thus Esau lost his right to his birthright. Isaac, their dad, however, was not so on board with this. He just lectured the boys on playing nice, reminding them that he was the passer honor of the birthright, and it was still going to Esau. Jacob found this unfair, but Esau was quite pleased. Later, as Isaac, the dad, lay near blind on his deathbed, he called for his son Esau. He told him to go hunting and prepare a meal for his father before his father died. Esau took off, and Rebekah called Jacob. Together they prepared a meal really quickly with a goat that was out in the yard. Then Jacob put on Esau's clothing and tied some goat fur to his arm in case his dad touched him and noticed his smooth but kissable skin. Finally, he took the food to Isaac, doing his best impersonation of Esau. Isaac asked Jacob how he found the goat so quickly. Jacob replied that God had helped him, and God had helped him through Rebekah. He encouraged his father to eat and drink, which he did, fondling Jacob's fur-covered arm in the process. Then Isaac did, in fact, confer the blessing unto Jacob rather than Esau. Later that night, Esau returned. He made his dad dinner and experienced extreme disappointment when he learned that his brother had already taken off with his blessing, effectively reinstating the birthright deal. And that is a heroic biblical trickster. In both of these stories, the tricksters are acting on behalf of humanity. They are thought to be heroic, if you're human. It's more evident in the Raven story where she stills the sun back to ensure our survival. Kind of a no-brainer. It's slightly more difficult, at least for me, in the Jacob story. This story has always bothered me. There's so much manifest destiny implied in it. Jacob was simply more deserving because he was Jacob. But actually, he kind of was more deserving because he was Jacob. Jacob was smart and worldly. Jacob knew how to get things done, how to think things through. And actually, that does make him a better leader. Plus, he was vegan. No matter how good or competent Esau was at being Esau, he was not a born leader. He was a fantastic hunter, but he could not live up to the responsibilities of his own birthright. He had two wives. It's a questionable choice for a farmer, but strictly out of bounds for most leaders. We love tricksters when they are tricking others on our behalf. Tricksters get things done because they don't give up. They just get clever. But how do we know when we should let things go and when we should get tricky? Are we being clever to prove that we're clever? Or to get something we personally want? Or to make the world a little bit better? How do we know when a trick has gone too far? How do we forgive a trick that has been played on us? What happens when we fail to perceive tricks as fun? Next time, the trickster as monster. Until then, author responsibly.
as people. We only notice what we understand. And as much as we might wish to tell ourselves otherwise, we don't actually understand very much. I once drove a couple of developmentally disabled adults across town. At one point, they were each trying to convey their opinion. I could clearly see that neither one of them had any idea what the other one was talking about. After a while, I saw them each decide that the other secretly agreed with them. They then smiled at each other in an I like you kind of way. And I thought that's exactly what we are doing all the time. We don't really get what the other person is talking about, where they're coming from. We just decide if we like them or not, if they're a friend or a foe, and proceed from there. I wish we would pick friends significantly more often. While understanding breeds compassion, it isn't actually necessary. Maybe we could just be kind because we would all be happier, healthier, and safer, and that would be good. Maybe there's no such thing as deserving something. Maybe there's only being someone, and maybe that's enough. And that is the trickster in real life. The artist whose base material is truth and final creation is understanding, or misunderstanding, depending on how deep we're willing to look. Misunderstanding is easy. It allows us to stand in shallow waters and gaze at our own reflections, mistaking them for something outside of ourselves, evil or beautiful. Understanding is difficult. It requires diving into our own depths and confronting what we may not want to know about ourselves so that we can subtract our reflections from the pictures we see. Next time, the monster trickster. Author responsibly. <laughs>